probably makes narrative sense to move things on a little bit. We'd normally go to the interview about now, but I think if we go to your oh, street pharmacist's okay. guide well, this will be a bit first. of a jolt, but yes, let's do that. Can you, can, I mean, it's a little bit yeah. jaunty. It's a it's, bit free um, flow. It's, it is, yeah. But um, no, I, I mean, I, I can definitely link it in because... Um, yeah, we're, we're about we're about abstinence tonight. Okay. We're, about, we're going to start off with um, the, the gist of it is in Colin McGuinness's seminal London novel of the nineteen fifties, Youth Culture. The chief character, known as the Fabulous Hoplite, declares that the best way to view life is to view it sober. I'd venture that, that gentleman wasn't a follower of Stockport County or Dundee United, both of whom's fans regularly require something stronger than coffee to lean on. <laughs> there's a strong history of teetotalism in football. Many sides, including Man, United, uh, Man City rather than Man United, were deliberately set up to counter the influence of the pub on young men's lives. And the muscular idea that Christianity. Muscular and... Christianity. We've covered this before in the show. You know, this idea that you will, uh, if you're playing football, you're not actually drinking. You might drink more afterwards, but, you know, and you stop, um, you stop loutish behaviour. This is this is the idea behind it, and and it's also true that I mean many of the in this century many of the well paid athletes in the Premier League they're, they're pretty much booze free because they they've recognised that the growing influence of dietary experts and and it's that realisation that heavy boozing and good performances don't kind of go together. So the drinking within the game for, for players has certainly gone down because they they want to extend their career. Abstinence is also allied to a kind of clarity of judgment and a. Um, balanced approach to life and a kind of self-satisfied smug sanctimonious which many people find objectionable not to mention the fact it shows the rest of us up in a very poor light so this brings us to barcelona and their <laughs> 2012 vintage oh, really chris roberts it does, how, how so well that idea that they're kind of morally superior and all clean limbed and they're all living and they're all this ideal that we should all aspire to and i'm about to just unpick that if i may <laughs> please in a, in, a, in, a, in a few words right followed by a poem ahead. Uh, anyway, that's football writers search for moral purpose in the game as well as great beauty, style and positive play. Many of the rest of us reach for the sick bag. I'm certainly not alone in being the kind of fan who might normally consider eating my firstborn as an acceptable alternative to celebrating a Chelsea victory, who is delighted with the pensioners beating them. And not only the pensioners beating them last season in the in the cup in the uh, European Cup, as I'm bound to call it. Uh, it's a manner in which they achieved it over the Catalans. And, that, and that given a choice, I would opt for Chelsea, whose flash Harry, no history, West London buttes, and relatively recent tradition of fascist support represents everything that is Beelzebub in modern football, speaks volumes about my feelings about Barcelona. The, contra you know, the contrast is that the Catalans come across as kind of squeaky clean, anti-Franco, moral sponsors, nice players, strong history, community tradition and involvement. Of which Arsenal have some, obviously, as well, but they, they, they don't have the um, anti-Franco bit in there. The uh, exponents of beautiful, but were clearly the clean-limbed ideals where abstinence in the game can get you. I think they were held up as that, this kind of above the game somehow, that they were the Harlem Globetrotters, they were this beautiful thing, and that even though they were all multi-millionaires, they were, they were, they were kind of held up as an ideal. And um, I personally think that's rubbish. They're kind of, they're kind of fish on free and latte light. It's very easy to support Barcelona in the same way that Guardian readers in the past supported Brazil because it was an easy option and nothing could be possibly wrong with that. And I'd like to express my feelings about Barcelona in that most drug fueled medium poetry. And so, with uh, apologies to John Cooper Clark, and uh -huh. I'm not going to do it next. Should I do it in a Mank accent. You're trying to do it in a Mank accent. Just, just, just throw on your traditional beat poet. 
All right, Persona. here we're going to go. This is called I'll Never Take a Tipple to the Barca Crest. I've seen superlatives of the football hacks of the glorious forwards and talented full-backs, how they win while Real collapse. Community finance, very nice chaps. I know they put Franco under duress, but I'll never raise a tipple to the Barca Crest. Blogging websites scream with joy as Messi passes to Mascherano, onto Alves, <laughs> Alba, Adriano and Pinto, Pedra, Thiago. Iniesta, maybe be at his best but I'll never raise a tipple to the Barca crest. The team is talented, handsome, keen, full of tackles, the kind that are clean, where David Villa passes to Zavi again and again and again and again. <laughs> I've seen the millionaires help UNICEF, but I'll never raise a tipple to the Barca crest. And that's this week's Street Pharmacist Guide to Football and Abstinence. Next week, we'll be happily considering the effects of LSD and football, in particular in relation to the uh, football shirt and the sponsor's mascot. Okay, so you're so digging we're back, out... We're back, uh, in, we're back into hard drugs next week. This week, it was just hard abuse of Barcelona. That's fine. Um, I'm 